Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast, the inside scoop on writing comedy for television, according to people who actually write comedy for television. It's like one of them fancy seminars you pay a bunch of money for, but it's free, and you don't have to spend your whole Saturday in a conference room at a Ramada Inn. Well, you don't have to. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. Tonight's episode brought to you by the letter F. Without it, we'd be ucked. My guest is Trayvon Free, who, on the day we taped this, which was actually Halloween, spooky, was celebrating his one-year anniversary as a writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. This episode is all about Trayvon's amazing story, about becoming a comedy writer despite coming up in, let's say, slightly stressful surroundings in his hometown of Compton, California. Well, to give you an idea of 90s Compton, there was robberies, murders carjackings, I saw everything. I saw multiple drive-by shootings. And this was like, not your cheesy, like, handgun or like, shotgun drive-by. This was full-on five guys in black masks and a a silver tinted window SS Impala with AK, like, assault rifles and just gunned down an entire crowd of people on the corner. You saw them from like your Literally, window? You no, were... no. I was standing on the street, across the street, as they were happening. Take that, guy who grew up on Long Island and thought getting pantsed in the seventh grade was the worst thing that could ever happen to you. The rest of Trayvon's story is unique, exciting, astonishing, humbling, inspirational, and it all leads to the ridiculously dramatic way he actually got hired at The Daily Show. It's a great story with a great finish, so let's start it. This is episode 29. My guest is Trayvon Free. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the writer's blog now. Good choice. Yeah, 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 because we just went trick-or-treating with the, all, with the little kids, and there's like seven kids who actually go trick-or-treating, and the parents all drag them around to the apartments. Do people only hit up like one or two buildings? I guess because you can go door-to-door, or like, how does it work? I know, no, 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 we just stay here with like three-year-olds. Like so. in L.A., you leave your porch light off if you're not like... Yeah, uh, right, right. Like, what do you do in... Oh, well, you sign up. You oh, you, you, okay. you sign. Yeah, there's a sign up sheet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, are you a dick or not? <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget to sign up for the dick or not Halloween thing here in these buildings because we'll know. We know who all the we dicks know now. are. Yeah. yeah, my kid hates you. You're a fucking dick. It is Halloween, which is uh, uh, a big celebration here for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it counts as the not one year. Yeah. One year. One year. One year to the day, yeah. I feel like I've known you for at least a year and a week. That's, uh... Because you came in the week before. I got here the weekend before because of the hurricane. Right. And I was supposed to start on the 29th. And since the hurricane closed the tunnels and I couldn't get into the city from New Jersey, I was here. I got in on Wednesday. Which That's what you get for going to New Jersey. It was the only place I can go. Uh, I am talking to uh, Trayvon Free, who is... Uh, I'm J.R. Heaven, by the way. This is a Writer's Block podcast. Am I right about that? Writer's Block. Writer's Block. Trayvon Free, writer for The Daily Show with uh, Jon Stewart. One year anniversary 
today, the day that we're speaking, I don't know when this is going to come out, might be a few weeks from now, but still, uh, 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 this is a very special day. How did it feel today, like the one year, was it? It, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. I had a, a nice second act on the show today, so it'll still be rememberable with the gospel choir. Ah, uh, the gospel Spoiler choir, alert. you worked on that spot. No, no, no. <laughs> no, did you miss it by three weeks? More alert. <laughs> right. Spoiler alert. What, do you think this is going out live right now or something? You know well, how this if shit works? If you're, a lot of people watch online and you might come across that Halloween episode. Like, oh, man, I already know there's going to be a choir in that first act break. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a ways away, but now you can go back and revisit the yeah. Halloween episode of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. There's a, a a bit with a choir, which we've used before. Right, the Go Fuck Yourself um, Choir. The Go Fuck Yourself Choir, and uh, uh, Trayvon had a hand in that. It's It was kind of crazy remembering... It, it went by fast, a year, and I remember how afraid I was... <laughs> when I first got here, like, oh, man, I just moved to New York from L.A. for this job on this awesome TV show where everybody's super funny and super good. And I'm going to probably be repacking this shit in three months. <laughs> oh, you, you thought you were on a three-month stretch? <laughs> yeah, like, you don't know the day yeah, show, like, like, Let me tell you, let me, <laughs> word of advice from J.R. Havlin, get the fuck out while you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And we'll get to that actually, because you got a great story about how you uh, um, how you kind of got hired. Right. It's just, uh, and it's a good story for uh, uh, people who are trying to get a job. Yeah. To uh, understand it, and that's what I want to go through with you now. I've talked to a few people from the Daily Show. If you want to know a little bit about a little bit more about how the Daily Show goes about its uh, daily routine, uh, Joe Miller is, uh, I believe, early episode two or three. Elliot yeah. Kalin was the very first bonus episode. That's a really good one to find out some of that stuff. If that's what you're interested in, go back and check out those uh, um, episodes. With Trayvon, I want to talk about sort of an origin story right. because you have a unique in to the comedy writing world and one that is not kind of a given. You right. know, this, is not, right. uh, this is not the road that <laughs> you as a kid would uh, would imagine yourself taking and not the road that you even did imagine yourself taking for a long time. Right, not at all. All right, so uh, start at the uh, uh, somewhere near the beginning. You you came up in. I grew up in Compton. Uh-huh. Uh One of the lovely most, Compton, Los Angeles, the, California. One of the nicer cities in the country. Yeah, it's uh, so nice. They slipped into the top ten most dangerous cities twice. <laughs> right, it's, so nice they did it so twice. So nice it's been the most dangerous city in the, in America twice. twice. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a it was a beast growing up. I grew up in Compton, went to high school in Compton, uh, college in Long Beach, which is like border of Compton. So, uh, but Long Beach State is not a, it's it's a decent institution. Oh yeah, it's one of the it's one of the top. Uh, public schools in America, actually. Oh, is that right? So, yeah. So that's uh, kudos to them. They raised the prices when that uh, U.S. Yeah, weekly, right, yeah. That U.S. Weekly report came out, and they yeah. were in the top like twenty or something. They were like, "Well, now we can charge double." Yeah, <laughs> and they that, did that. Like that's, yeah, that's what wow. we do here. You're already gone. Then. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was yeah. done. They charged, raised the prices, and cut admission numbers like assholes, pretty much. Well, yeah, you yeah. know. But um, yeah. So I grew up in Compton, played basketball pretty much my whole life. Because you're a tall guy. Yes. Can't tell from the photo that you're looking at. Six seven. Trayvon is six seven, and, and that's uh, imposing. Yeah, I, that's uh, a thing. That's not short. Not a lot of six seven comedy writers. No, and, uh, six seven black comedy writers from Compton. Right. I 
think I got that market cornered? You might. <laughs> you might. It's your niche. That's how you did it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, That's your sell, man. I thought I was in love with comedy, like, my whole life, but I never wanted to be a comic. And in college, I was... Uh, well, let's not jump ahead. I want to okay. get into, you know, your youth. I mean, wait, like, well, yeah, the, the was... scene that you came from is not one of, a... uh, of necessarily, a, you know, a direct route to success in any... Right. Well, to give endeavor. you an idea of '90s Compton, there was robberies, murders, carjackings. These things were irregular. Like kids, you can't you can't shield kids in that environment. They see everything. I saw everything. I saw multiple drive-by shootings. I saw you saw them from like your literally, window. You no, were... no. I was standing on the street across the street as they were happening. So if the guy that was the victim happened to be on your side of the street, you could have just I got caught up in the I middle could of not, it. There would be no podcast. Right, right. There would be no, <laughs> I mean, out of respect for someone I never knew, I would just, I would just feel that, why would I do this? Yeah, it's just, because it's empty. Right. It was, yeah, it was really, and when I think back on that moment, it was really one of those, those things where you think, wow, how close you come to things could have been so different had you just been in... Us, yeah, and that just goes on the other side of the goes for everybody in a variety of different ways. Right. For me, I can think of multiple times right. that one little different tiny thing, and right. I'm a goner. But a drive-by shooting was not one of them. And this was like not your cheesy like handgun or like shotgun drive-by. This was full-on five guys in black masks. <laughs> In a, a silver tinted window SS Impala with AK like assault rifles and just gunned down an entire crowd of people on the corner. And you would see you saw that. And I stood there and saw and watched it. You saw people get oh, actually I, shot. I saw there was a crowd of people standing on the corner and what I knew and now know to be like a drug it was a drug house uh-huh. uh, where the local gang and where I lived, the South Side Compton Crips it was one of their properties, like where they hang out and do their thing. And they were, a lot of people were standing in the yard just hanging out. And this car just creeps down the street, gets to the end of the block. Guy comes out of the sunroof, back window, passenger window, and they just, just wipe the crowd out. And you can see people trying to run away, and they're just like, I was. You're how old? I was maybe seven or eight. Well, it was. It was I was I was going to my friend's house who lived he lived in the house directly across from that house on the opposite side of the street. I was going to his house to play Nintendo because this was when like Nintendo had been out for a while and it was all the rage and we would just go back and forth to each other's house. He would come to my house sometimes, I would go to his house sometimes, and this particular time I was going to his house and I was maybe three houses back. From the actual house, but on the opposite side of the street. From yeah, right. From right, where right, right. from where they just gunned down the crowd, and then they took off around the corner, and everyone comes running outside to see what happened. I just happened to be in the front of the house of a family friend who saw me standing there and like grabbed me. My mom came out of the house looking for me because she knew I had just walked outside, like maybe two minutes before she heard that those gunshots. So she knew, oh my god, he just walked outside. Yeah. She came out running, screaming my name, and he was like, "No, he's my uh, our family friend." Was like, "No, he's fine. He's right here." And then I talked to the police. 
at the time I didn't know I was snitching. Snitches yeah, get no. stitches yeah, notoriously. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get any stitches. I guess I was I, I made I was too young. <laughs> to... Well, you you have uh, um the, there's an interesting angle to how you kind of made it through a lot of this, being able to be in the middle of it, but not necessarily get caught up in it or get yeah like b- victimized by a lot of it, and that is your uncle. My uncle, yeah, he was like this unknowing kind of guardian angel. He was one of the most Notorious, yeah. The unknowing guardian angel. This this goes in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, guardian angel. That's not how you described him to me the first time. I mean, I get that aspect of it now, but yeah, but he's no, no. He's uh, he definitely shielded me from a lot because he was because he was a crip. He was. He was a classic, very classic comedy upbringing, right? How can you very, not go into comedy? A very well known. A very well-known Crip. Crip as in cripplingly funny man. And the Crip as in, I will yeah. shoot you. Uh, yeah, out of a sunroof with four <laughs> yeah, other right, guys. Right, uh, But yeah, he... Um, Sorry, people really, knew that. People yeah, in the neighborhood knew that your uncle knew, was a big shot in this. Right, and so I didn't know why nothing ever happened to me or why everyone was cool with you me. You weren't sure that what he did. Right. I didn't really realize it until I got into high school... When uh, I got, there was like a big break. This is this is how crazy my neighborhood was. The school I went to, there was like an annual race ride where you could almost time it <laughs> to when it would happen, where blacks and Mexicans would just fight each other for what I still think is no reason other than just to do it. Uh-huh. And on this particular day, a little turf war at the school. Yeah, right. This happened, and I was walking home because I lived really close to the school. And these two Mexican guys on bikes rode up to me and jumped off their bikes to fight me. Now, I ended up actually kicking both of their asses by myself, but one of them took off with my backpack while I was fighting with the other one. And then he got up and like got hopped on his bike and took off. So I went home. I told my mom what happened. She freaked out. You're how old? I was 14. And, but how big are you at that point? I was like 6'6", six, six, maybe like two two ten two twenty and they just i mean there's only two of them that's still kind of balls out (laughs) what the fuck are they thinking at all i don't even think they realized what they were doing until they did it and there you would think like if there's two of you and one of me you should both be able to like there's some kind of advantage right but they did that thing you see in every movie where you wait for one person to (laughs) to fight fight the other person wow you try to unfold yeah like that's not like that's not how it works. If you're on a devil team, you don't wait in line to fight me. <laughs> it's just like, you're, you're not taking advantage of the fact that there's two of you. And so uh, she called my uncle. There was a football game that night. I think it was the homecoming game. And I was I was going to go to that game. That's what, the, that's the, the, so the race, war, the race riot was uh, every day at homecoming. Yeah, homecoming. Yeah, that's how much. they celebrate homecoming. Yeah, right. All right, go ahead. <laughs> To decide who was going to be the race homecoming. So we all have our traditions. <laughs> right. That's what we do in Compton. Yeah. You got to uh, race yeah. ride. So we, uh, my mom called my uncle. She was she was like, you're not going to this game. You're not. And yeah. he was like, he's going to the game. And I, to me, that just meant, okay, I'm going to the game. So I go to the game. And in the first quarter, I look to my right and I see a C of guys in blue because that was their his gang's colors Uh and they walk into the stands and like 
disperse amongst the crowd and my uncle's with him and one guy comes up to me and lifts up his shirt and there's a gun in his waistband. He goes, hey man, you see the motherfuckers pouring him out. And I was like, uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> I was why? Like, I kind of feel bad if Is I that- did see him to tell, to like, I don't want you to kill him. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, wow. yeah, yeah, like that's pretty extreme. But that was like, pretty extreme. That was like the norm. And yeah. so that was when I realized. I don't like, think my uncle's in garbage at all. <laughs> right. I don't think he's going to the office at all that when he leaves. Seem to, this doesn't match up. Right. And so. Uh, wow. So. So intense. That was when I kind of realized that people, there were a lot of his other like associates that went to our school, and there were always people kind of looking out for me, even without me knowing. And that's when I first realized, oh wow, like there's like a, a something going on, like a shield. That's well, and then of, maybe that's when other people started noticing it, right. and didn't fuck with you anymore. Right. Yeah. Not and to so, mention you just beat like, up two was, guys. Right. And it wasn't <laughs> like I was. Even if it was one at a time. <laughs> right. Take a number. <laughs> Take a so number. It's funny. It's like, why did the two of you jump me? I yeah. just imagine you like hitting the other guy. You just what yeah, do you want to do? And that's how you know taking my backpack because he's like I I took I take the bag off and this guy's like trying to he or they wouldn't even try to fight actually he just like kind of ran up to me and like I got him in a headlock. And the other guy's standing there, and he's like, oh, fuck, well, I'll just take the bag <laughs> and then take off. Man, and then, I like, we fell on the ground, and I was, like, punching him in the head, and he got up and he hopped on his bike and ran off. And I was ah, like, fuck, yeah, man. Yeah. I had all my stuff in that bag. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't even thinking even about... a situation like that can t- turn your life around right there. You could have hurt the kid badly enough where you go to jail. Right. The kid could have had a knife, and he stabbed yeah, you. Yeah, see, that was... I mean, the, that, at first, I was like, oh, man, I hope they don't pull out a knife or a gun, like... Yes, and I'm carrying like a fucking school project. <laughs> like, and you're like volcano. <laughs> yeah, you're like fucking baking soda volcano. Yeah, I got. I totally forgot. Yeah, I like. I got my I got my solar back. system. <laughs> this one's the sun. You broke my sun. Like I gotta go. I gotta go paint this all over again. <laughs> Being real careful. Let me just set this down. <laughs> It's like one of those scenes in the movies where you're fighting around something expensive and you're trying <laughs> right. not to break it. And then when the fight's finally over, someone goes, whew, and they put their hand down and then they break the thing that you were trying. I, not I to... love the idea that like this big, big badass Trayvon in Compton, you get jumped by two guys and, and I just picture you like, my diorama! <laughs> I just, I got an A on that project. Ah, damn it! <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, like, I was like the captain of the basketball team and I was a straight A student. So I didn't have like enemies, like even naturally, like everybody just kind of liked me. I was just like, I didn't want to make. Right. You weren't that guy in the first place. Right. They they didn't know that when they did this. And so, yeah, so it made it easy to not have people, have people to want to kick your ass for whatever reason. Yeah. And. You're a sports guy. And this is, and that was, that was definitely one of your outs, like. Uh, this was a this was a fun thing too. I just want you to mention this one that like because I asked you how how you made money when you were in high school. Oh yeah, man! I sold CDs. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, I, you I made remember. Mixed CDs. Yeah, I made mixed CDs. I remember there was a. It was when Xbox. <laughs> what was your go-to song on the uh, mixed CD? You had one that you like. No, it was whatever people wanted. 
Wait, here, here's a, here's how how it happened. Oh, I just because they didn't have the capability to do it. Right. Oh, it was because okay. CD burners. Give me your you playlist could, and yeah, I'll do this. That CD burners had just become a thing that you could buy to install on your computer at home. And this was like the beginning of that burn your own CD movement. Yeah, yeah. So people couldn't either afford a CD burner or a computer for that matter. And I saw, uh, no, the Xbox was coming out, the first Xbox. And we didn't have a lot of money at all. So when I asked for it, my mom was like, I not, I can't buy that. You have to come up with part of the money or most of the money. And I'm just thinking, like, how am I going to do this? So there was this kid at school who was selling CDs one morning. And he opened his backpack, and he has this huge stack of CDs, and there's just people handing him money, like $5, $5. He, just, he made like 300 bucks in 10 minutes. And I'm like, that's what the fuck I'm going to do. Jump went, him on the way home. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Call those <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, We're taking this guy's that's CDs right. and his yeah. money. <laughs> but uh, we um, Christmas was coming, so I asked for... A CD burner. Right. I was like, I'm gonna. This is how I'm gonna make my money. I'm gonna burn CDs. So, I got the CD burner. My mom's friend uh, installed it on my computer. Uh, I paid twenty bucks for the giant stack of blank CDs. Right. And uh, Napster had just come out, so you yeah, can get so all the free music you wow, wanted. Yeah. So it just lined up. It <laughs> yeah, starts like, aligned. Yeah. Right. Your CD burning <laughs> business in high school. It worked out perfectly. Better than mowing lawns, man. <laughs> and, yeah. So I just uh, I. Went to school, told people, I'm selling CDs, and whatever you want, let me know. And people, all day, I would get handed papers. You didn't have, like, a, like you should have been like, Crazy Trayvon! <laughs> <laughs> Come on down! It's <laughs> made a commercial. Crazy Trayvon's going for free down here. <laughs> well, I'm not free. <laughs> That's just my last name. You can't have it for free. But, uh, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, was uh, that was my money-making scheme. Very nice. solid act break right there. This episode is like a screenplay, and a pretty good one at that. We've set up our protagonist, introduced his unique situation, now it's time to get him stuck up in a tree. In this case, that tree is a promising career path that disappears in the snap of a ligament. What to do, what to do? Find out in Act 2 of The Trayvon Free Story, From Compton to Comedy. Definitely a working title. But Trayvon Free is attached, so... All right, we're back with uh, Trayvon Free, writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, and we're getting to know a little bit about his uh, unlikely route into comedy writing. Uh, you mentioned playing ball in high school. You were the captain of the team. Uh, you're obviously a big guy, but you also had skills enough that that was what you've kind of figured uh, was going to be your track. That's your way out. Yeah, I, I thought... Basketball was going to be it for me. I went to Dominguez High School, which was also where Tayshaun Prince and Tyson Chandler went, both NBA guys. We had a... It's a well-known basketball operation. Yeah, very well-known basketball Were you program. recruited into that high school? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. It was a, it's a school where we had one of the best coaches in the country. My freshman year, we won the national championship, to put it into wow, perspective. Wow, seriously? Yeah. The high school national championship? The high school national championship. Were you a McDonald's All-Pro or anything? I was a McDonald's All-American nominee, which is, just means you were... The, As a freshman? No, no, no. But uh, you won senior. the national championship. Yeah, we were, we were the number. We were number. We finished the season number one ranked team in the country. Holy Christ! Which, that must have yeah. been a big ass game too. I mean, they were they making a big well, deal out of it at that point. The way they the way they do it in high school is this is pre or post LeBron. 
this is Le- me and LeBron are the same age, so we were in high school together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my and, god. And uh, he, uh, we were in, we were both freshmen at the time. But um, wasn't he playing somewhere where he yeah, would he was dominate? Playing. And how did did you end up playing for, him during this? We time? never we were in some of the same tournaments, but we never actually played each other. He really jumped on the map around, I'd say, my sophomore into my junior year. Like everyone knew who he was when he was in eighth grade. Like this kid, LeBron. But and when he right around tenth grade was when it. Where was, was like, he from? Though? Uh, Akron, Ohio. Okay. We played. We traveled the country like a college team in yeah. high school. Yeah, you were talking. about We were that. sponsored by Nike. We got free Jordans, free everything. Wow. We would go up to Nike headquarters. You're in basically Oregon. getting paid in a way. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. You could basically say that we were getting treated awesome. Yeah. And we were. Tr- we were missing school <laughs> like every other week. Uh, like every week to go New Jersey, yeah, New York, like everywhere, playing these in these big high school basketball tournaments. And so there was a school, Oak Hill Academy in um, Georgia, I think it is. And um, they're like one of the premier schools for uh, high school athletes. Who uh, Carmelo Anthony went there. Uh-huh. Brandon Jennings went there. They have a long list of great uh, basketball players. And that year it was us and Oak Hill kind of back and forth. And we beat them twice that year. No, they beat us in the Hawaii tournament. We beat them in the Nike extravaganza, and we ended up finishing finishing the year number one in the country in the USA Today high school poll, and that's how they crowned the national champion. You don't actually play a oh, game. Oh, it's not like a game. Yeah, yeah they didn't just, do a Final Four set Yeah, up. they just finish. Whoever finishes first is the winner. Wow, man. So you kind of have to, like, not you were, were you the captain of the team? At the no, that game? time I wasn't. I, was, I had just gotten on the team that year. I didn't become captain until Tyson graduated. But, but I mean, when high. something like that happens, now you got to be thinking like, okay, this is I got a, I got a shot at this, like a yeah, legitimate like shot. You think, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I was still growing, like when I got to high school. And that's all you're thinking about. Yeah, that's all. I, all I did was play basketball and do schoolwork. You know, well, that now that's the trick right there, isn't it? Yeah. That, that this is the thing you're telling me that separated you from a lot of other guys on the oh, bus. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that when you're driving along? You're reading Chaucer or whatever, and they're, <laughs> they're going over, the, they're not. Yeah, they're just sleep, listening to music, whatever the case may be. Right. And I've I be, developed the reputation of being like the smart kid on the team or the, the athlete, on the smart athlete among the group. And that's also how I ended up taking SATs for people. Like that oh, was is that a, another thing you that did? That was another little thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, a money-making scheme there. Uh, I won't put throw any of those players under the bus because some of them are actually still pro athletes right now. <laughs> yeah, there, there are guys playing <laughs> on teams. I, and you'll see them on TV and go, yeah, uh, I think I got uh, 1450 for that yeah, guy. No, I remember there was a, like a year, a year ago, I was watching an NFL game, and I just tweeted. I was like, um, everyone was tweeting about the same game, and I was like, one of the guys who's playing in this game right now, I took his SAT so he could get into college, big-time college university, uh, big-time university I won't name. It feels like you should be getting some checks (laughs) for that shit. (laughs) The funny thing about it is, like, after that happened, he kind of did the whole, like, like, you don't really know me kind of thing. Like, you know me, but it's like, I'm not going to spend too much time talking to you when we ran into each other. No, so no, kinda... of course not. No, you want to put that behind you. Yeah, like, yeah. But we weren't, wow. but the thing, we were buddies. We weren't oh, like, okay. at the, in high school at least. Yeah. And so, yeah, I tweeted it and I was, and somebody tweeted back to me 
the name of the guy because they, yeah. they went on the internet and dug around and figured out. Who, really? Yeah, they figured it out. I was like, I'm not going to tell you who it is. And they fit, and one person figured it out. But yeah, I was doing that for, um, and I was getting high scores, which is kind of like bad. And, but, and you're, but you're also like, despite traveling a lot, you're, while you're traveling, you're doing your homework, you're getting good grades. You said you watched MSNBC a lot as, as well when you were yeah, like, CNN, in high school and stuff. Yeah, like you were just college, kind of a newsie yeah. for yeah. some reason. Is and uh, um, you know when friends were out partying and and then you were talking about a stand up class. When did that happen? That was junior year of college after. Oh, my, this was after the knee. Yeah. Okay. So injury. so <laughs> you you go through high school. Any more national championships? We always really no, we won. High. We we won the state championship again. We repeated, and my last two years, uh, we went into the playoffs, uh, but we lost. So most of my college championships, my high school championships came in the early years. But what kind of numbers are you putting up personally? Uh, my senior year, I averaged twenty three and Seriously? eleven. Wow, damn! There was a, I came close to a triple double like two or three times. Yeah. That's insane. Um, what was your position? Uh, I played power forward and center. Yeah. So these abilities, as well as your uh, studies and ability to take the SAT, your your multiple practices at taking the SATs end up getting you a high score on an SAT. Anyway, you get to go to uh, wherever, well, you don't go wherever you want. You end up going to Long Beach State. Yeah, it's I had near offers you. from so many places. I was leaning toward Brown. But they waited until the last minute. And did they have a basketball program? Yeah. I mean, you went, wanted to play. You wanted to play ball. Yeah, definitely. And I had offers from a lot of... I, my mom still has a box full of uh, letters. And I, I liked Brown. It was an Ivy League school. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that'd be cool to go to an Ivy League school. Play basketball for free, pretty much. And um, they wanted me to take a class over. But they didn't tell me until it was almost time for graduation. I was like, I can't do that. Like, it's... School's over, pretty much. So mm-hmm. I was deciding between Big West schools, and I figured if I'm going to go to a Big West school, I'm going to go to the one. I might as well go to the one that's closest to me. And I went to Long Beach, and that's how I... It, it's funny how, like, everything works out perfectly. Like, you kind of realize nothing is a mistake in a way because everything that happened there led to here. Had I gone to Brown or somewhere else, who knows what would have happened. Led to hear the Daily Show, right? Like just like the road of like me loving writing and comedy and just the new like the news stuff and being a huge fan of this show while I was in high school. You're you're watching the news. You're watching this show. You have this pull towards comedy, right? Are you a funny guy with your friends? Is it that kind of thing too, or is I was I was a silly person around really close friends and family, Uh but like in. A lot of my friends, now but not at the shootings. Yeah, like not at. <laughs> <laughs> There's another guy. He was hilarious. Hey. That, like I didn't want to try to, you know, take over what that guy did at the show. Man, yeah, he, he cut, was really he cut the tension with a yeah. knife. Sure, <laughs> literally cut the tension. He brought with a knife. <laughs> you got to stab somebody at the shooting to cut the uh, tension. <laughs> um, so you're obviously interested in that field, but this right. is not a thing that you're thinking. You. Do you even realize that it's a possibility as a no, career? So like you're not even thinking yeah, that at all. Yeah, it's one of those things like, oh, John just does that stuff. I don't think people even do it for him or right. whatever. Yeah. And you're still thinking basketball for good reason. You're right. a great player. You're in a good school. You, the school's right. doing well. You're doing well on the team. You're doing well in school. And then crack. 
goes the knee. Yeah, I tore my meniscus in practice. Two in game, practice. Two games after I had tied a school record for rebounds in an individual game. Wow. Yeah, I got 19 rebounds in one game, and I was starting. Everything was great. Practice. We're running uh, lines, and my knee just won't bend anymore. It just stops, like just gets stuck. Really? And it, I was, just, it wasn't like a fall over in no, pain it wasn't kind any, of thing. No, I, we were run, what? running. I just like, my knee won't bend anymore. And I go, this is not good. <laughs> and I go to the trainer. He starts like wiggling and stuff around and moving stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you tore your meniscus and it's stuck underneath your patella, which why is why your knee won't release. And then a doctor came in with that and said the same thing. So season was over and I had to have surgery, which ended up falling on my birthday. And uh, Which is when for the fans? March 30th. Oh, there you go. Send, send all your gifts to uh, The Daily Show. To Brian Williams. <laughs> 30, 30 Rock. 30 Rock NBC <laughs> News. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Well, we'll get, well, let's not go through all the details of your surgery. It's no, not, no, no. not entirely uh, necessary. But, yeah, but the, the big thing to... is that, that you're, you know that, boy, my career in basketball has just taken a, a, a big turn. After the surgery, I was the doctor was pretty like, yeah, you're. He's saying you don't try this. Yeah, he told me not to play again at all. You hadn't had done any stand up or taken any stand up class no, or anything. Nothing. But it was soon after that that you find out about a stand up class. Yeah, my advisor, my academic advisor, after my surgery, when I started rehabbing over the summer, uh, she told me about a professor because she knew how much I loved comedy and writing, and she told me about a professor named Brian Lane who was a film teacher and he wrote for. Uh, 21 Jump Street and Remington was Steel. it? Uh, yeah, and Star Trek and all these huge shows, old shows. And she put us in contact. She's like, he teaches a stand-up comedy class. And so I emailed him and he's like... At Long Beach. Yeah. Okay. And the final for the class is you have to perform stand-up at the Ice House in Pasadena. Right. And he's like, come down and watch my class. And I came and went and watched the show. And they were like funny kids for like just taking a college class. But I never wanted to do stand-up. I more so wanted to write. Mm-hmm. and But I loved stand-up. I was a huge stand-up fan. <clears throat> Excuse me, but never thought I could do it. Like, it just seemed like the most intimidating thing. And so we go, I go to the show. And after the show, he's like, you should take the class. And I was like, I don't want to do stand-up. He's like, just go home, write me a couple pages, email them to me, and we'll go from there. I go home, write jokes. The best I could, I could do, I send them to him. He owns me back five minutes later. He goes, fuck basketball. This is what you should be doing. Really? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, is he just fucking dicking me around? This guy wants to fuck me. <laughs> I knew he was weird. Start Remington Steel. What the hell kind of shit is that? Right. He wants to rim my steel. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. <laughs> so, uh, so this is how you get started in comedy. <laughs> so I, t- I took it seriously. I, I took the class. I ended up uh, going... And you go to the final at the Ice House, yeah. which is really, it's just a show, like a bringer show. Yeah, a bringer showcase for you, bring your friends, your family, come watch. It's not a competition, you just yeah. graduate from this thing, and right. you do really well. I did, the, I did, I killed, I did the best, and it yeah. was the best feeling in the did world. Did you have your stop sign joke already? Uh, I, I didn't. Camera, okay. It hadn't come up yet. Okay, that's a good joke. Um, I did that, and the producer who produces the Ice House, who at the time produced the Ice House's uh, Uncle Clyde Comedy Contest, 
she wanted me to be in the contest. Saw you at the club. Yeah, she saw it's me at the club. It's all these, like, completely unlikely right. things. <laughs> yeah. Just these random things. She sees yeah. me at the contest and or at the uh, showcase and told me, told me to be like in the contest. Like, if she's not there or she had a phone call. Right. Just anything. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Well, it could, but it's just the track is different. Yeah, it's so different. But and you have to put yourself in the position to right. to uh, to take advantage of, of those opportunities. Right. So that's what you're doing. This woman sees you. Puts you in a competition there that you end up. Wait, you said came in second, yeah, and then took went to the same competition the next year and won. And won, it. yeah. And after that, I graduated and decided this is what I want to do, and it's going to be. I have no idea how to do it. I don't know anyone in Hollywood, any of the contacts you need to flourish in this business, and I just went at it like I just. Well, well, we'll discuss that when we come back. I just wanted to mention before this next break that you, at some point or another, and this is classic, found your mother's comedy albums. Oh yeah, yeah. I told I um I was like twelve or thirteen, and she left me home by myself, and I was bored. So I went in this closet, and she had all these old albums, and I just start flipping through, flipping through, and I see Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Bill Cosby. I just take them out. And I go and turn on the record player, figure out how to turn on the record like player. Like you, know, but but I mean, you know these are comedians. Yeah, I like. You, you don't I had really, never you, seen. I had never heard, seen. Had you heard of them? Did I you? heard of them, but I had never seen their act or heard okay. their act before. And I put on the prior, and I'm like, oh man, this is hilarious, and I don't think I should be listening. to No, this. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm listening to the albums, and then I I hear she's coming home, so I turn, take them off, and uh, and hide them. And then the, that was when it just like I this is awesome. This is something that's I like wanna... it's it's like when I found my older brother's porn magazine. <laughs> just turned me around. <laughs> I knew what I was gonna be doing for the rest of my life. Jack it off. <laughs> Jack it off. <laughs> yeah, I, that's pretty much for me. It didn't go. It didn't click to. I want to do stand up. It was like I want to write stuff like this. But I don't necessarily want to be the one doing yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't know that because it just they, it was so intimidating. They were so good, like Chris Rock, the Chris Rock Bring the Pain special. I recorded it on VHS. I must have watched it every day. For that was a, one of the that was least the best year. one I yeah, think for at least a year. Like every that tape should have broke as, as many times as I watched it. Interesting. And I just fell in love with with, with stand up and comedy, and that kind of like put me in the trajectory of something. I didn't know what it was or how to get there, but I just knew this was a thing I liked. And if basketball didn't work out, this was probably something I wanted to do. And the curtain falls on act two. One dream crushed, another just beginning. Are these little more than the impossible pursuits of an unlikely hero? The wild illusions of a rudderless optimist? Before you lies act three, the answer to all your questions. And even though you know the ending, just like with Apollo 13, you'll be so wrapped up in it, you'll forget everything you thought you knew. Also, we've got a call into Tom Hanks to play Trayvon's uncle. The dude's got range. Now here it is, the thrilling conclusion of Trayvon Free, Drive-By Shooting Star. Also a working title. You gotta crack a few eggs, am I right, Blockheads? I'm J.R. Havlin. You're listening to Writer's Block Podcast. Okay, so let's get into this then. Let's so, start this story. This um, epic hiring of 2011. Free. Yeah, 2011. I uh, was on Twitter, see Rory's, 
a tweet from Rory. Someone retweeted, and I click on it. and It says executive producer of the Daily Show, and I'm like, oh shit, this is so cool. Yeah, I don't even and, care uh, if the tweet was funny. <laughs> and I followed him, <laughs> and then he uh, he followed me back, and I direct I direct message him. I go, uh, like you you work you have my dream job. I'm so jealous. And he was like super nice, like you know, Roy's the nicest guy. And we don't really have too much interaction after that. It's just like I don't want to be like that overbearing, the kind of people we encounter the, now. The direct, you know, yeah. yeah. You just give him the one thing, right? He and responds to you though. Yeah, he responds. And so, over the course of the next year, I meet uh, Rob Cutner doing a show at the Improv. Rob Cutner, former writer for the Daily Show, now writing over at Conan, and I believe episode. F- Fill in the blank of Writer's Block Podcast. Yeah. A really good episode. Rob's a yeah, funny Gunner's guy. Great, and and uh, um, it's a real, real, some real nice insight to um, how, how the world ticks over at Conan. But um, uh, you meet him doing stand up. Yeah, there was okay. a stand up show at the improv. Someone dropped out. But oh, you didn't know that Rob is writing for Conan and I you didn't. just meet him as a random guy. I knew he wrote for Conan. I didn't know he wrote for the day. Oh, okay, show. right, right, right. I'm sorry. And so I. Uh, someone drops out of this show. My friend calls me last minute. Hey, can you do this show for me? Uh, I do the show. Cutner's on the show. We're talking after the show, and like we become like oh, yeah, real yeah, life yeah. buddies. Like so, that makes it like cool for us to like talk and t- uh, like or DM on Twitter, or whatever. It doesn't seem weird. And then fast forward to June of 2012, I see the episode where uh, Bloomquist, Rich Bloomquist. Is leaving the Daily Show. Blomquist. Blomquist. Is it Blomquist? Blom. It's oh, Blom. Blom. Sorry, Rich. Forgive me for butchering <laughs> your name. Bloom, Blom, Blomquist. <laughs> it's actually uh, it's actually Rich Shaw. Mister 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 Christian Shaw. Sorry, Rich. <laughs> um, so I see he gets a send off, and I'm like, oh man, there's an opening at the Daily Show. But in my mind, I think, well. They've probably got people beating down the door. I don't have an agent. I don't have any connections to this show whatsoever. Um, but I like, it's sort of like the the naive, the incredibly naive <laughs> and yet correct idea that, oh, there's an opening there. <laughs> right. It's just, <laughs> right. It's just well, like. That guy left. Well, that must mean that they're looking for guys like me. Right. <laughs> so you so, do that. But this so, that's, you know, yet more initiative that ended up being, you know, yeah, a, a correct I, um, intuition. I, I'm Scrolling through Twitter, I see a tweet from Rob Cutner. I was going to direct message him about something completely different. And I see in his bio, it says uh, he wrote for The Daily Show. And so I go, oh, hey, Rob, what's the packet like for The Daily Show? Because um, like, I'm not, I'm going to say, hey, can you hook me up with a job? It's like, I want to, in my mind, I thought that no one ever leaves The Daily Show if... I ever got a chance to write it to write here, I'd be 35 after I had worked on a bunch of other shitty little shows uh-huh. and snaked my way in there somehow. And um, so I wasn't going to ask him, how can I get to submit? Just tell me what the packet's like so I can practice. Yeah. So when this moment right. comes, I'll be ready for it. And an and, interesting approach in that you like knew that, you know, an overbearing approach can throw somebody off and you you fuck up your charge. Exactly, and, they, and then people don't want to help you. And so I just said, uh, what's the packet like? So he goes, send me an email. I shoot him an email, same question. He replies back, I'm going to have the head writer email you. I go, in my mind, that's horseshit. Yeah. 
That is never gonna happen. When I see you next, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. It's like, why would the head writer of the Daily Show just email me? (laughs) This nobody with no representation, no no name whatsoever. Hey, this is what we do over here at the Daily Show. Heard you wanted a job. And so, um, lo and behold, a week later. You probably noticed that we had an opening. (laughs) Yeah, right. If you saw the last show, <laughs> if you saw Rich in a, in a hot dog uh, costume. Yeah, with mustard everywhere, you, <laughs> you know we're looking for someone. <laughs> so uh, uh, a week later, uh, it's two in the morning, and I, I see an email with Tim's name, and I like my heart like flutters, and, it, and I open the Tim email. Carvel, Tim Carvel. Tim Carvel, our head writer. Head writer. And I see it, and it says, if you're getting this email, my previous email probably went to spam. And I stopped reading, didn't even finish the rest of the thing. I go straight to the spam box, check the email. It's an email to submit for the show. And it is the most daunting. But it, what it, but it said how to grow your penis and submit to the Daily Show. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's, went straight into spam. Why did he put that subject line in there? <laughs> right. And if you need a Rolex, click here. That's right. <laughs> Nigerian Prince <laughs> wants you to submit to the send Daily your, Show. Send me your account number. <laughs> Not your opportunity. your submission to, to, to the writing department. Yes, indeed. So, so, you, so you... So I read through the email. It's... I don't know if you've seen the recent packet they send out when you submit, but it is a beast. Yeah. Like, it is intimidating as fuck. Like, you would not... I could... Uh, what, like, I found out in rich after the fact that a lot of people just backed out or didn't submit at all. Because of how daunting it was. Because when you submit for the show, you have to do everything we do on a daily basis with the help of how many other producers and people by yourself. Yeah, right. And so... Which is right, like, just just a quick recap. It is literally like you write three headlines in a chat or something, basically, right? But that's not right. as easy as it sounds. No, not um, at all. But you do that. Yeah, I decide I'm going to do this. This is my shot. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to do it. So I did my first round which was uh, due in two weeks. It was over the course of the July break we have. And they don't give you topics. No, no, no. Okay, you, you pick your own at that yourself. point. Yeah. You hand them in. <clears throat> I hand them in. A week later, I get an email from Tim saying I made it to the final round. I'm like losing it at this point. And like if nothing happens after this. Do you know how many people are in the final I, round? I wish I knew. There are five, but <laughs> yeah. go ahead. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, oh, holy shit. But didn't is... you go through a round before that? Or No, I oh. only did. Oh, I know what it is. You do one and then you do another one. And, and then... then they whittle that down and show those to John. Yes. Okay, so there's like 100 people. Then there's 20. So you made it to the 20. You right. do another pass right. on, again, do they give you topics or not? Uh, mm, yes. They give the you second time. Out. They give you topics that we've done on the show or doing on the show. No, they give you a current news okay. thing. Tim gives you an email. He sends you an email with the topic, two topics, and a bunch of transcripts. And you have to write a headline, just kind of like loosely. Uh-huh. That gives you like loose direction. Like here's the idea. Write the headline, and I did that. A week later, I get an email saying I basically came in second. Oh, boy. Wow. And it was just like, oh, gut punch. Just like, oh, I came. You hadn't met Rory yet. Never met Rory. Okay. And so. So now let's get to that. This is just ridiculous. So Tim emails me, says, you came so close. Right. 
but we went with someone but, else. Classic LA, the classic Hollywood story. <laughs> right. It's between you and one other guy. In this case, one other girl, <laughs> right. Lauren, Lauren Sarver, Sarver, who worked yeah. down in the production department, right. moved up to the writer, and who had, you know, who had an advantage of really having much more of an inside voice right. and flavor for it. So you were up against it with yeah. Lauren, uh, who's so, also a writer now. But she gets hired, and now you're on LA. You think you don't have the job? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm done. done. Like, so now, at this point, I'm flat broke, behind three months in rent. Uh, this is to me was going to be like, I'm hoping this is what brings me out of this. Like I have nothing left. Don't know what I'm going to do. Classic. And I get an email from Rory right after Tim saying, Hey, to piggyback on what Tim said, we really loved your stuff and we're not just, you're the only person I'm telling this to. I want to meet with you when we come out to LA for the Emmys. And uh, we set up the, we meet the oh, Saturday. And, and I know why we know why now. Yes, they they were they were meeting you. Well, no, at the time, at the time, the what you're thinking hadn't happened yet. Oh no, no, no! But they knew it was going to. Probably. Okay, so somebody somebody else, Rich had left. Yeah, Rich. But was somebody going. else was in the another writer was in the process, the very long process yeah. of being let go right. from the show. They probably knew that and thought and knew there was going to be an opening now this is one you don't know is going yeah, to exist but rory wants to meet with you for some reason right. hey right great well i'll have another friend in the comedy business right and it's at the daily show so that's cool absolutely so all right so, so we, um he we, comes out to la we meet we have lunch we have a, a great lunch uh the next week i'm out i'm going out to vegas to do stand-up shows he uh he was supposed to put me in touch with jim margolis to write to submit for totally biased because uh, his landlord is, was Chuck Sklar, who was the head writer of Total mm-hmm. Bias. And so he texts me, he's like, hey, I'm still going to put you in touch with Jim, but I don't want to give you up. Wait, his yet. landlord was Chuck Sklar? Yeah. What the right. fuck? Crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say, okay, that makes total sense. So he, uh, he's like, um, yeah, I don't, um, I'm working on something, but I don't want to give you up just yet, so just like hold on for like a few days. Friday morning, I get a text from Rory. Hey, we want you to come out to New York and meet with John. What? And 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 you're still thinking like, well, okay, then I'll just go meet with John. Yeah, that I, can't really be leading to yeah, anything. Yeah, right. In my mind, I thought like, oh, it's just like John because I came so close. Maybe they want to just like get to put a face in there, get to know me. I'll get to meet one of my favorite pe- like comedy people in the world. And then I'll go back to L.A. and figure it all out. And so... And this I, is like on a Friday or something when you came in. Thursday. Right? Yeah, it was you, a Thursday. You came into the offices on Thursday. Yeah. And I remember when Rory came around, I think maybe that morning or Wednesday night, and said, hey, there's a guy coming in. I want you to meet him. His name's Trayvon. He's a comic. He's a great guy. He had a great submission. He's coming in. And, and I just want him to meet the writers. And he, then he leaves my office, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I said, so it, did you hire him already? <laughs> this guy's hired, right? I mean, I just immediately was like, okay, well, we have a new writer. That's right. going to happen. <laughs> Why the fuck else would you have bring him around <laughs> right. and make an announcement? <laughs> what so, I, but yeah. you don't know that's going on. I have on. no idea. So okay. when I'm getting, like, walking through the building, meeting everybody, yeah. to me, it just feels like a shitty second place, rub it in your face kind of thing. Let's like just a, get to the point. First right. impressions, J.R. Havlin. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we had a pretty funny. Yeah, we had a funny exchange because when we were talking about uh, like me and Bodo, like our height, uh, Bodo was sizing me up, and then you came out with a tape measure like out of nowhere, which is the funniest thing. I had. It was just like immediately came out with the tape. I was like, where did he come from? Where did he get a tape measure? <laughs> so fast. <laughs> 
just readily available. I'm like uh, the carrot top of the Daily Show. I just have a trunk in my office of stuff uh, that, that I need. Oh, it was so hilarious. And <laughs> just measuring you up. <laughs> it's like, yep, you saw it. Right, that's a good gag. It's yeah. a solid Havlin gag. You got to have the check. <laughs> right, already. And so uh, we go, I go around, meet everybody. I go to rehearsal. And um, after rehearsal, I go, hey, before I leave, can I get a picture with John? Like thinking, okay, this is the end of my journey. And it's like, yeah, yeah. After you had met John yet, or you... I'm in the meeting. I'd only met John in the meeting. Oh, okay. The meeting was right before rehearsal. I go to rehearsal, come back for the taping, and as a re- the taping ends, and he goes, "Hey, I want you to come back and meet a few more people before you go." And we go into the rewrite room. Uh-huh. What we know is the rewrite room, where very small room. Yeah, tiny room. John sitting there. Uh, Bodo. Tim, Rory, John's Lowick. fruit platter. Yeah, the everything. John Thomas platter. <laughs> He's flipping through the uh, the notes for the next day, and I sit down on the couch. I go, "Hey, John, like really funny show, great stuff." And he goes, "Thanks, man. Um, I was actually wondering." And he's not looking at me. He's still flipping through the yeah, paper. Right. Being um, all coy. Yeah, being very coy about it. I was, and he draws it out. I was wondering if maybe. You might want to come here and write for me, and I fucking my heart shot. Out yeah, of my I'm excited right now. Like I'm like sitting. And I go. I literally go. Fuck yeah, I would. And he was like, Did you say Anna. fuck yeah? Yeah, I, would. I was like, Yeah, fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> Immediate profanity in front of the boss. <laughs> He's like, Zana. I was like, Welcome to the show. And what? everybody's like shaking my hand. And I'm just like. My eyes are watering. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening right now? Like, is this really wow. happening to me? And uh, I'm like, just shaking. And um, he's like, I know you got to move. Take your time. No rush. No and, rush? Uh, I'm yeah. and here I know, tomorrow. Yeah, right? And I know the election's coming up in, in four weeks. So I want to be get here in for that. the election show. And um, I go, well, yeah, I want to get here as soon as I can. And, uh, Tim's like, well, yeah, if you can be here... For the election, before the election, that'd be great. We'd be great to have you. And I was like, I will. It was literally three weeks from the day they offered me the job to the election. And I moved here. I did everything in three weeks. And we go out, and Rory tells me, like, yeah, we kind of like, I didn't want to be the one to, t- I knew ahead of time, but yeah, I yeah. wanted John yeah, yeah. to be the one to tell you. And like, you totally, like, I really wanted you here. You deserve to be here. And like, it was just, Awesome. That's amazing. Now you got the job at the Daily Show. Who's yeah. the first person you call? I go out. My best friend, Chris, was with me this whole time. And we walk out of the door on 52nd. And like we just had the biggest embrace. And I'm like crying. He's like, not in the rewrite room with you. No, no, he's no. He was just waiting out. in the crew lounge. And so you go out and say, yeah. they gave me a fucking Yeah, and he was like, so everybody's so stoked. And I call my mom. And I'm like, tears running on my face. It's like, ah. I, got a, I got a job with the Daily Show. She's Did like, she know the show? Or she, uh, she knew of it. But she, she knows was, that you love it and yeah, would love this job. She didn't watch it, but she knew of it. And she's like, I told you they were going to give you a job. I told you. And uh, it was just like the rest of that weekend I was here. It was just continuous high. Yeah. Just the craziest thing. That's I, a great story, man. That's a great story. From beginning to end, Trayvon Free... It's good to have you at the Daily Show. Oh man, it's been the best year of my life, even though we lost the Emmys. Yeah, yeah, that was it's because still... of you, but that's not a big deal. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's got to it's got to be a hard thing to I take imagine, to come yeah, on and really be a I, part of a, a team that's on the downhill slide. Clearly, yeah, I, it's hard not to want to take the blame for that. Yeah, it's the. <laughs> 
but Trayvon has done an amazing uh, uh, job, slipped right into it. Everything that uh, uh, he did before he got the job was in these weird preparations to, to do the job correctly when he got it, and now he's there and he's nailing it. And um, you just heard the story. That is it. Happy anniversary, Trayvon Free. Thanks, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll get that 10-year coin one day. Yeah. Like I said, get the fuck out. <laughs> three and out. Three and yeah, out. Three and out. <laughs> three and out. Go to fucking 30 Rock or 40 Rock or whatever they're taping by that point. 30 Rock point two. <laughs> <laughs> point oh. Three bro girls. Yeah. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do it. God, save yourself. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Say good night, Trayvon. Good night, blockheads. Ah. I mean, Trayvon. <laughs> well, there you have it. The curtain falls. Roll the credits. We throw in a Holocaust angle, and this has Oscar written all over it. Such an amazing story, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Blah, blah, blah. Next up on Writer's Block, Emmy Award-winning head writer of The Colbert Report, Opus Moreski. Another great episode coming your way. I don't know if Opus ever witnessed a drive-by shooting, but he did work briefly as a writer on Alf's hit talk show. So, a potentially similar emotional experience. If you're hankering for a bit more insight into the actual writing process at The Daily Show, go back and check out episode four with my guest Joe Miller and the very early bonus episode with my guest Elliot Kalin. That should take care of your hanker. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. I'm J.R. Havlin. Say goodnight, blackheads. <laughs>